Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, Bad Dirt. What makes Bad Dirt so bad? The answer? The ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like Bad Dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and in the captain's chair, a man that was spotted in the bars last weekend taking more shots than Carl Malone. He is the captain. And that's not the only reason they call me the mailman. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Tonight we are drinking The Truth by Flying Dog Brewery in beautiful Frederick, Maryland. Garage grade 5 out of 5 bottle caps. This is a very popular IPA and a favorite of the X-Files fans, but this is also a very popular brewery and both are popular for a very good reason. They are making magic over there, my friends. And this magical brew was brought to us by the ultimate True Crime Garage Army crew. First up, we have Brandon studying forensics at the Ohio State University. And a big shout out to Gigi in Oakton, Virginia. Next, we have Madison, a Pittsburgher in Memphis. I'm starving, Captain. I'll take a Pittsburgher medium well with fries. I might give you a Schittsburger. Uh, big shout out to Jill in Carmichael, California. And here's the two-fisted cheers to Garrett and Shannon from North Carolina slash New York. And a big we like your gyp to Mitch in Manitoba, Canada. And rounding us out, we have Rhea in Jamestown, Cali. She says she's currently studying computer at TCG University. All right. And the student body is requesting that the captain teach a class on creative nicknaming. I'm requesting that the student body takes a class and shut the hell up. Well, thanks to everybody out there for the kind words and the support. And if you mm-hmm. want to get involved, if you want to help us out with next week's show, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. And the hoodies are back. The hoodies are back for 10 days. That's it. Pre-order for 10 days. They're going to be shipped out April 6th. And nobody can complain that they didn't buy one this time because I, I said I wasn't going to sell them again. And we're selling them again. That's right. So if you want a hoodie, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the store page. They're very comfy. All right. That's enough of the business. Everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. Lots of people around at the time that a terrible crime happened inside the Lululemon store on Bethesda Avenue Friday night. A timeline released by police indicates employees closed the store at 9 p.m., then set the alarm and locked the door at 9.45. At 10.05 p.m., two female employees returned to pick up a forgotten item. That's when two men wearing ski masks and gloves entered behind them. Another employee found the victims when she arrived to open the store at 8 a.m. Saturday. 
Police think it was a crime of opportunity, a robbery that turned into rape and murder. 30-year-old Jana Murray is described as a valiant fighter who would not have hesitated to protect herself and her 27-year-old co-worker who was beaten but survived. The crime scene may hold the best leads police have at this point. We are still in the process of collecting physical evidence and doing forensic analysis. My hope is that um, in the next few days uh, we may get additional leads uh, as a result of that forensic analysis. The attack in the heart of downtown Bethesda has residents and the business community on edge. You need to understand this is a very close-knit community. Even though it's uh, on the edge of urbanization and, and in many ways is growing so much, it uh, remains very close and uh, it hurts. Detectives were collecting evidence from the Lululemon store from a robbery that resulted in the sexual assault of two young women and the murder of one. Now, the forensics that they're finding at the store here, Captain, they have the surviving victim, the surviving witness Mm -hmm. who told them, and we went through that pretty detailed in yesterday's show, how this attack went down. The issue here is they're starting to find, the detectives are starting to find things at the store that are not necessarily lining up with the surviving victim's story Mm -hmm. and the account of these attacks and murder. Well, so Detective Dimitri is coming up with some theories thinking that maybe there was two suspects um, that came in that knew Brittany and maybe she just knew them or maybe she was in on this. But let's go through a couple items that don't make much sense. Well, one item, Captain, that's not going to play towards this new theory of an inside job and two guys coming in to carry out this attack is that detectives found only two sets of bloody shoe prints in the Lululemon store. Now, one set of these bloody shoe prints belong to Brittany. Right. The other came from a size 14 men's shoe, Reebok tennis shoe. Mm -hmm. Well, that shoe was found in the Lululemon store. Yeah. And it was cleaned off. Yeah. So the way that the way that this works is we have bloody footprints Mm -hmm. over portions of the floor of this store. Now it it was so obvious to the detectives that the shoe they found one set of men's shoes in the store. It was Reebok size fourteen tennis shoe. Mm-hmm. They said that the pattern was unique enough on the bottom of this tennis shoe that it was obvious. You could look at this shoe and know that that created the print that you're seeing on the floor below you. Yeah, I and mean, if you have a crime scene that's covered in blood and you have two male attackers, why aren't there two sets of footprints? So to back up this theory that these shoes were worn during the course of the attack or at some point before uh, Brittany was found in the store, they they did find a little bit of blood on the, the shoes. Right. However, they believed that the shoes were at one point much more bloodied than that and had been cleaned off that someone had washed the soles of the shoes and evidence pointing to that was that they had bloody footprints, bloody shoe prints from that size 14 that led up to a sink. And I believe it was the bathroom sink that you could see the bloody shoe prints walking up to that sink. And then they never leave that sink. Well, right. And they never leave the store. Yeah. So it's almost like somebody took them off at the sink, washed them, and then put them away. And so if we have two guys that came into this store, whether Brittany knew them or not, now you're talking about for some reason they they removed their shoes. And put on different shoes. And one of, yeah, one of them put on a size 14 men's shoe either during the the attack or shortly afterwards, washed the shoes, Mm -hmm. and then replaced them on wherever they were being kept. Yeah, left them in the store. But the these idiot attackers, too, uh, attacked th- their victims with eight to ten objects that were found in the store, and they left 
all eight to ten objects. Mm-hmm. And then you have this situation where, you know, Brittany's found alive, but she's kind of found in a weird situation. Yeah, so she is, like we had said, she's bound um, like zip ties. Somebody had used zip ties to bind her ankles together and then her wrists together. Right. Now, when she's found, she's found lying on the bathroom floor and her arms are above her head. Yeah. So let's think about this for a minute. This means that her arms are not behind her back. Mm-hmm. She's bound with her, her hands in front of her. Now, one question that I found, and I found this very interesting because this this kind of kicked everything off for me, was one reporter that was reporting on this story on Saturday when they were found stated in their report, it's unclear why the surviving victim did not call for help or did not leave the store. The thought that this reporter had at the time was that possibly Brittany was unconscious, that she had been knocked out during this attack. Well, normally these stores are set up in a way where you have your front entrance and those are nice and posh and they look nice for the customers. But then you normally have like a back alleyway where you would have a dumpster and stuff like that. And normally those back doors, if you push against them and you open them, especially when the alarm is on, that the alarm would go off. Mm -hmm. So these, these attackers attack both of you, your coworkers dead. Now you're laying there for, I don't know, eight hours, 10 hours. And you, you know, you could push yourself up by your hands, even though you're bound, you're bound with your hands in front of you. She could have got to the point where maybe she couldn't have made a phone call, but she could at least push that door open. Well, I wouldn't think that the alarm would be set at this point. Well, but it, but it might, even if the alarm is not, Oh, it may trigger it it anyway. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Cause some of those are where you have the sign that says, if you open this door, the alarm will sound right. Um, yeah, I see what you're saying. She could have given her injuries. She could have very likely have, I don't know if she would have been able to flee out the front door, let's say being tied like that and, and injured. I really feel like I, it, it looks strange to me that she couldn't crawl to a phone. We're talking about a very athletic person. We're talking about somebody that had got scholarship through her skills, being a soccer player. We, we also, we know that her um, wounds are not super deep or life-threatening. We also know that she was a couple weeks away from becoming a, a trainer. So again, a very athletic person. I think this person could have easily got uh, to help on some level. Later, one of the first responders that saw was first to see Brittany and to respond to her being lying there injured on the floor. They said that when they encountered Brittany's body, she did appear to be unconscious at this time. Okay. But when this first responder knelt down to tend to her, when they touched her, she flinched in a manner that made the first responder believe that she might've just been lying there with her eyes closed that she was not, in fact, unconscious. The other problem, too, is we have this the car scenario. Yeah, we talked about Jaina's car was, was found about three blocks away from the Lululemon store. We have Brittany's vehicle that is found in the parking lot where it's expected to be, right in front of the store. So how did, how did Jaina's car get from the Lululemon store to that three-block location? Right, and I wondered if maybe that's just where it was parked initially, but law enforcement are going to find blood inside the car. Yeah, so and I and I had theorized that possibly the offenders used the vehicle to flee, to drive themselves to their vehicle that they would eventually get in or to flee from that area. Right, but we have no surveillance of that. We have no surveillance of that, and then the other troubling thing is they do find some items inside the car that are of evidentiary value. It's the blood. The, the problem with this is they're only finding blood that belongs to the two victims. So we have yeah. Jaina's blood inside her vehicle, and we also have Brittany's blood inside of Jaina's vehicle. Now, when Jaina was interviewed initially about this, they were asked about her car, about Jaina's car. What do you know about it? 
Um, mm-hmm. Where would you expect it to be? She said that it was parked right in front of the Lululemon store. She had never been inside of Jaina's vehicle, according said, to the yeah. interview. She also said she only saw the vehicle maybe once. Yeah, so, so giving a vague description of the vehicle. Is it out of bounds? Here, here's the thing that you have to wonder now, Captain. With what is found in the car, are you starting to wonder maybe there's not other offenders? We have one set of shoe prints of, well, of an offender. The shoes are found in the store. Right, but law enforcement has surveillance of two men that match the description that Brittany gave. So now we got to track down these guys. Now they track these guys down, come to find out that they're they cleared them they had no involvement in this attack whatsoever yeah these men actually belonged in the area they worked they worked there in this business district and they they're wearing all black because that was their uniform yeah, right right a lot of like servers or no well, even some stores you know they have well, right, co- right, some right. stores have colors that people are supposed to wear um so i i don't i can't tell you where they worked i don't remember but um yeah well, and as they're doing forensic evidence now we got another big problem. We have claims again from Brittany saying that both women were raped mm-hmm. uh, or at least, you know, sexually assaulted. Now there's bruising on both victims, but there is actually no evidence of sexual assault. Yeah, they couldn't find conclusive evidence to confirm that portion of Brittany's story. So now we got some problems. Well, yeah, because everything's going to kind of shift gears here because what we're seeing is at this point in the investigation is we have Brittany Norwood, who was once a considered a victim. She's starting to come into clearer focus as a possible or likely suspect in this case. Yeah. So we have we have some issues here. Because the investigators, the the detectives are going to be speaking with Brittany quite a bit. Now, in the beginning, they're speaking with her because she's the the lone survivor. She's the surviving witness. She is the person that's going to be able to provide you with the most clues, the most evidence, the most leads to find the perpetrators of this attack. Well, as she starts to be go go from victim to suspect, they're still talking to her. They're still interviewing her. Mm-hmm. The problem is it's it's going to shift a little bit. And they decided that one thing that they needed to do, you know, sometimes with with these with victims of of a traumatizing situation like this, to put it lightly, I guess, is it may take a few days for things to become clear to them. Yeah. You know, they've been through a lot, they've witnessed a lot, they've experienced a lot. It could take a few days. So as these days continued and as these interviews continued, the detectives, they tried to get a little more, they tried to get a little more information from the interviews that they have with Brittany. You know, they were asking her very specific questions by this point, asking her things like, you know, what were the possible weapons that these guys used? And based off of what weapons they used, were you able to determine if the assailants could have been right-handed or left-handed? Yeah. Did either of them speak with an accent? Did either of them at any time mention, you know, accidentally say a name or a nickname to, to one another? Right. What was Jaina doing during the attack? What were you doing during the attack? So very specific questions, because here's the thing that they start to figure out is that early on when they needed information from Brittany, she has a story to tell. And we went through that. The problem with that story is when you push and when you prod her for more information, it either seems that there is no more information or she's unwilling to give that information to the detectives. Right Now, one thing that the detectives did, and this was a pretty smart ploy on their end, is... You know, from time to time, these interviews have taken place off of their turf, let's say. We know that the first interview took place from a hospital bed when Brittany was in the hospital. I believe they spoke with her at her home at one time. They wanted to get her on their turf. They wanted to kind of put her in the hot seat, so to speak, so that either A, they could get answers to these questions and find out more about these attackers, or B, get answers about these questions and point the finger at her 
Because at some point you have to stop treating her like a victim and start treating her like a suspect. Right. If the evidence is pointing you in that direction. Now, what they did was they contacted her and they asked her if she would come down to the police department because they needed her to submit things like hair evidence and fingerprints, things of this nature. So that and what they told her is that, you know, we need to be able to compare your information to things that we're finding at the crime scene so we can rule those prints and hair out. And maybe we were able to find prints and hair of the offenders. Yeah. She, she does go down to the police department to speak with them and, and supply them with that evidence. What that leads them to is an interview that takes about an hour and a half where they're able to kind of grill her a little bit. This is when they inform Brittany that Jaina's vehicle was moved during the attack. We know that her vehicle was moved that night. And now mm-hmm. the big problem we're having with her vehicle being moved is that your blood was found inside the car. Now, why would we find your blood inside the car? I'm sure she's probably going to give you some kind of information that maybe the blood was on the attackers right. and they had tracked the blood into Jana's car. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you know about Jana's car? I think she slipped up and gave them a little more information. You had said earlier, she said, I I believe I've only seen the vehicle maybe once. Right. And it looked like this. The trouble here is she gives them a little more information. They are putting her when they're talking to her, when she's sitting across the, the, the table from them, Mm -hmm. they are putting her constantly putting her in that vehicle. And that's where the questions are going to be routed. That's what we're going to try to, the picture we're going to paint for her is we can put you in that vehicle. Now explain this away, please. Right. She leaves the police department Mm -hmm. and some time goes by. And I believe it might actually have been a day or two goes by, but eventually her sister, her older sister contacts the police department and says, you know, Brittany has some information that she has not told you regarding the attacks. And she would like to talk to you about this. Okay. She goes back down to the police department and she explains to the officers that it was in fact her Brittany that had moved Jana's vehicle. Mm. She states that the assailants instructed her to move the vehicle. Now, I've heard several different reasons why this vehicle might have been moved, but the the one that seems the most consistent is that Jaina's vehicle may have been parked illegally. Remember, we said that they returned to the store that night. Right. So she could have parked in any number of spots that might have tipped somebody off that something was wrong or would have caused some kind of alarm. She could have parked in a handicapped spot yeah, or, or, or there she was double parked where she just thought, well, I'm just going to park my car real quick by the curb yeah, and run in and right in front of the door and we're going to be done. And then there, therefore the vehicle would need to be moved. She states that the assailants wanted this vehicle moved. They instructed her to, to move the vehicle and then return to the Lululemon store. Yeah, but this vehicle's moved about three blocks away. So one, you could have taken off and, and, and went to the cops. Yeah, I guess they had her wear like a, a hat or something to kind of disguise herself to move this vehicle. Make sure you're back here shortly, you know, 10 minutes. Get your butt back here or we're going to kill you. Yeah. So here's, here's a huge, huge, you want to talk about poking holes in the story. Let's talk about ripping the damn thing open. Mm -hmm. This is a, this is a huge problem for her story for several reasons. One, according to her version of the attack and how it went down, Jaina was attacked immediately and pulled off into the back of the store. While this is going on, Brittany is attacked in a different location of the store. She talks about how her attacker is using racial slurs and cuts her stomach. Okay, so at what point during this attack, Brittany, do you just are you fine enough to get up and leave and and, and move the vehicle and jog back to the store? Yet eight to ten hours later, 
your injuries that you sustained are, 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 are bad enough that you're unable to crawl to a phone at any point or crawl out of the store. Right. I, you know, it's just not really lining up at this point because what she states is that she's threatened. If you don't come back here, we're going to kill you. Oh, by the way, we know where you live. We know your name. We know some things about your family. Right. We can do damage to you. It's just not really lining up here, is it, Captain? No, and we're gonna. It's not going to line up to her brother and sister either because her brother and sister are with her. So Brittany's brother and sister are at the police station. They're hearing these stories. They're hearing the questioning. And I think they start believing that, hey, maybe my sister had something to do with this. Yeah, I don't know if she requests to speak with her relatives or... I think her brother requested to speak with her. Oh, like, hey, we I want to go in there and make sure she's okay. Yeah, but yeah. I also think he... We got... I do want to... I know we're kind of pointing a big finger at Brittany here, but I do want to point out that from everything that I've read regarding the Norwood family, this is a close-knit family Big family, really uh, respectable family, very good people. Um, and we have a brother saying, Hey, I'm concerned about my sister. I want to go in there and check on her to see if she's okay. Yeah. And like you said, she's in there. Brittany is in there with her sister and her brother at this point. They're talking. And I think the brother and sister have a lot of questions for Brittany. Yeah. And I don't think they're really liking what they're hearing or maybe more importantly, what they're not hearing from Brittany. Yeah, and I think at one point her brother says, did you do this? I think, Captain, she might, Brittany might have been in handcuffs at this point because she's already kind of spoken with the detectives. Her story's falling apart. We got the relatives in there well, now. Well, I think she keeps on saying that she wants to leave. So at that point, they actually have to either arrest, arrest her, her or let her go. And then, so I think they cuff her to the table and then they read her her rights. Yeah, and at one point, you know, so they're in a room at the police station, and obviously the police are listening in to the conversation between the brother and Brittany. And at one point in the conversation, he does ask her directly, did you do this? And Brittany looks at, his, at her brother and says, I don't want to disappoint you. I'm sorry. I don't want to talk here. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL 
is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code TrueCrimeGarage50 at factormeals.com slash TrueCrimeGarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. The thing that we need to point out here, Captain, to make this downright clear. Is we're back. We're back. <laughs> yes, we're back. Uh, when they have Brittany in there for questioning. Yeah. And both when the detectives are speaking with her and when her brother and sister are speaking with her, she's not at this point denying that she did anything wrong. Yeah. You know, there, she's asked, did you do this? Or we think that you moved the car because you killed her. We think that this happened. We think that that happened. And she's at this point, she's broken down and she's not, she's not saying, yes, I did kill Jaina, but she's not denying it either. Yeah. I think at this point her lies are catching up to her and she's trapped. So she is ultimately arrested. She's arrested that day, as you had said, and she's going to be charged with the first degree murder of Jaina Murray. Now, so what in fact happened? The police have the police have a theory on this and they're going to break it down as such that on that Friday, the two women were working together at the Lululemon store. Right. When it came time to close and after they had locked the doors and finished their closing duties, well, this is a retail store. Store and and Lululemon their their procedure is such that 
that each employee checks the bag of the other employee. We only yeah. have two people left in the store at this point. I used to work at PacSun, and this was very common. If you were closing up the shop with the manager, that if they had a bag, you had to look through their bag. If if you had a bag, they looked through your bag, and then you you check that off the list and, and then leave the store. Mm-hmm. And so when, they, when Jaina goes to check Brittany's bag, there are a pair of yoga pants in the, in her bag. Now these pants run about a hundred to, I think 150 bucks, maybe more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are not cheap pants. Right. So when, when the, this discovery is made, Brittany has an explanation. These, I paid for these. I purchased these earlier today. Right. So then the question is, where's your receipt? Yes. I don't have a receipt. Can't find it. Well, well, that's no problem. Let's just log back onto the computer and we'll see the sale of the day. And then we can go about our way. But they already logged off their computer. So they claim that they couldn't log back on. But it might have been one of those things where it was like, ah, we already logged off for the day. We can deal with this tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem is that Brittany has been accused of stealing before, you know, or suspicious of stealing at the other Lululemon store that she used to work at. She also was, I think, kicked off her soccer team for, which she had a scholarship for because she was stealing from other players' lockers. So she kind of has a history of this. Yeah. So now, uh, and one of the main reasons that she was moved from another store was there was this customer discount day where you get everything off 70-some percent. And you're only supposed to get a certain amount that you're allowed to buy. So up to a certain dollar amount. Yeah, like 300 bucks or something like that. A lot of employees took advantage of this and and spent more than they're supposed to. And a lot, a lot of employees. So much so that they're like, well, crap, we can't fire all these people mm-hmm. and replace them. So let's just say, okay, well, you guys made a mistake. We're going to tighten up our restrictions, but we're going to transfer you to different stores. So I think all the managers were probably saying, Hey, any of these employees that were moved to other stores, we got to keep an eye on them. Well, yeah. So the, so there's good reason for her being transferred to this new location. Now I have read a few reports that state that there was money that was missing from this Bethesda Lululemon store. That's once Brittany started working there, Things were coming up missing, whether it be clothing items or actual money. Right. And so hypothetically, if if there was money missing five times from this store or the cash register came up short five times, the only employee that worked all of those days was Brittany. So much so that they were thinking about installing cameras on the inside of the store because they wanted to catch whoever was doing this. And like you said, Captain, they were pretty suspicious that they knew who it was at, who actually was responsible. They just right. couldn't prove it. They didn't have any evidence of such. So on that night, these, these pants are discovered in her bag. And as the Captain said, they couldn't log back onto the computer to prove that that sale actually took place. Mm-hmm. So Brittany is going to need someone to vouch for her. And she says, oh, so-and-so was running the register and sold me these pants. Mm-hmm. Well, Jaina takes this as at face value and says, okay, that's fine. Uh, they close up the shop and upon leaving, Jaina calls this other employee and ask her to confirm Brittany's story. Right. The employee says, I did not sell Brittany anything. So these are stolen pants. Yes. Brittany stole these pants and attempted to leave with them, hoping that, you know, it's a Friday. Maybe they'll rush out of there mm-hmm. um, and and she'll forget to check my bag. Yes. And then Brittany being caught, basically, she's walking to her car thinking, well, now I'm going to lose my job. And apparently she was up for some job that she had desired quite a bit as a personal trainer or something right. at a at a higher end uh, fitness center. I, I'm not really certain of those details. But the thought is that if being caught stealing and getting fired from Lululemon in transition was going to carry over to her not getting this job that she'd been fighting to get. Right. 
So she's caught that night. And what does she do? She, she comes up with this story of, Oh, I've left something in the store. Mm-hmm. Now you can go down a couple different avenues here with, with this portion of the story. But what I've heard is that she, remember she had to contact another employee to get Jaina's phone number. Right. She gets Jaina back to agree to meet her back at the store. And from here, you can take it one of two ways. Either Brittany had already determined that she was going to attack Jaina, or at some point she's telling her, Hey, look, if you, if, if you tell on me for this, um, I'm going to lose this job that I've been trying to get. I'm, I'm only going to be here another couple days anyway. Right. Um, yeah, maybe try to plead with her Just you know, Hey, show me a little sympathy and, and this all can go away. And I'm guessing that, um, <laughs> this is a tough situation because I've been in the situation where I've seen a coworker, uh, stealing or you've, you've seen somebody, I'll break it down like this. Uh, you've seen somebody that you like. Yes. Do something that you didn't expect them to do that you know is wrong is what you're saying, right? Yes. And then, and the, so actually what happened was it was another teller. We're both on the line. Bank and, teller. You yeah. were a bank teller. And I look down and I see the other bank teller pulling money from his pocket and putting it back into his cash drawer. <laughs> Wait, that's like the opposite, the opposite of how of these stealing. things usually work. And he, he's making a donation to the bank. And he then realizes that I you see him, him and I say, and he kind of looks at me like, Oh well, shit. And I said right to him right then and there, I wish I didn't see that because now I, I have to say, because one, we have all these cameras mm-hmm. and it'd be pretty easy for, if he gets caught doing whatever he's doing for them to see that I was right there watching him do it. Right. So then I went to my boss and said, this is what I saw. And they suspected that this guy was taking anywhere from 500 to a thousand dollars at a time. And maybe that money would be missing for a couple days. And he was gambling with this money. Uh, and then when he had win the money back, he would return then put the it back. Money. So it's still, Right, right. Yeah, you, you can't, can't do that. You're not allowed to borrow money from the bank uh, just because you work there. So I could see the manager saying, well, look, I, you know, I still have to report this, and I'm sorry. And the, and and maybe that's what happened, but then an attack happens. Well, and actually by this point, but before the attack takes place, Jaina had already reported this, this theft to her higher up. Right from a phone call. So yeah. So even if Brittany's pleading with her and saying, don't turn me in, it's a little late. I she already turned have, you right. in. She might've said, oh, you know, I am sorry, but I did call my manager. Regardless. The result is that Brittany attacks Jaina. Now this attack could have taken it. I've heard from, from what was presented at trial is that this attack would have taken a, a minimum of 20 minutes. This was a brutal attack. You pointed out how many wounds, how many injuries there were to the victim, over 300 multiple mm. weapons used during the course of this murder. Well, multiple. I mean, that might be the right word, but it's like 8 to 10 different weapons. That's that's nuts. Yeah, and it's it's believed that that Brittany would pick up one weapon, attack the victim with it. Mm-hmm. And then at some point retreat off to another area of the store to exchange weapons to almost use something else on her. Yeah. And a lot of people think that she was enjoying the attack and enjoying to see what different items would do. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think maybe there could have been a, it's possible that there was a state of panic and she's going, this, this is not working Mm -hmm. at some point during the course of this attack. Jaina almost escapes. Mm-hmm. She because we would later find blood evidence to suggest that she almost made it out the back door. Right to set that alarm, or at least, get or at out least of the store. flee. Yeah, yeah. After the attack, after Jaina is killed, we then have Brittany, who is concerned about this vehicle being parked illegally out front of the Lululemon store. Right. So she, according to this plan that she kind of just came up with 
She's got to move this vehicle. She moves the vehicle three blocks away and then returns to the store. Mm-hmm. Now, I've read several several reports that state that they, they believe, the investigators believe that she remained inside the vehicle after moving it for an hour to an hour and a half. Almost like, holy crap, what do I do? I've got right. to come up with some kind of plan here. I, I've got to cover this thing up now. Right, and I think that's when she came up with the plan of I can make it look like I was attacked as well. So then she goes back to the store. At some point, well, I don't want to be too gruesome, but you know, like we said, there was three hundred and some attacks on Jaina, and with hitting her with these eight to ten different objects, that wasn't working. So at some point, she goes all the way across to, like we said, she would go somewhere else in the store to find some kind of tool or weapon. And then at some point she finds a knife and then she stabs her twice, one in the head. And that's pretty much how she died. But then as she's sitting in this car and she has to come up with this plan, then she decides when she goes back that she'll have to cut, um, Jana's Jana's pants. So yeah, yeah, because she needs to now stage some type of sexual assault on this victim. So she cuts a hole in the pants that Jaina is wearing. Right, these slits down the side. And one report that I read and it says that she molests the body after death. And I don't know the details of that, nor do I care to, but I imagine it's another it's yeah. it's additional staging that she's doing to to present the crime scene in the manner that's going to go along with the story that she's eventually going to tell the investigators. Right, and so once she does that, and that's all done, so that part of the sta- uh, plan is staged. Then she goes and finds these shoes that were male shoes that sometimes it wasn't men using these to try on, but you know women sometimes would use them because they could slip them on and off real quick while they're trying on the different pants. Mm-hmm. So she finds these shoes, and then she walks in the blood, and she walks around the whole store. Well, like we said, law enforcement finds the shoes in the store and they've been cleaned and there was no tracks lead leading out of the store. Right. But, the, but the other problem too is that now that we know that she is probably the person that did this, they test the shoes for DNA and it's Brittany's DNA. Inside the shoes. Right. So now that part of the plan was staged and now she has to cut herself more mm-hmm. and she cuts herself on, you know, you know, like we said, the chest and the legs and she has to then cut her pants and then she has to basically assault herself, mm-hmm. you know, her private parts. And, and so that's, you know, so she can claim that she was sexually assaulted as well. I mean, these are psychotic actions. And then she has to tie herself up with these zip ties. And because she can't zip tie herself behind her back, she does it through the front. And then she has to lay basically in blood for 10 hours mm-hmm. and wait for somebody to, to find them. There's also some question marks regarding Brittany's injuries. So we said that she had a cut or bruise to her head and hand. And then we also mentioned the breast, the stomach and the legs. Apparently it's believed that the breast, stomach and legs, those injuries were self-inflicted that the head injury could be self-inflicted or it might have been Jaina trying to defend herself, fight off her attacker. The hand injury is actually believed that maybe one of the weapons that she was using, whether it be a box cutter or a knife, that when she was using this implement of murder, that it had slipped and she had cut herself during the attack. Well, that... That was her only severe injury. Yeah. And and because probably it was a box cutter or something, and like you said, if it, if that box cutter is covered in blood, your hand slips right off and then you cut yourself. Yeah, and you said only severe injury, meaning it was the only one that was severe, severe enough to require stitches. Right. The other cuts to her required no stitches. Right, so obviously all the murder weapons were found that came from inside the store. Yeah. But so did the zip ties and what they realized too. law enforcement realized that it'd be, this would be a very difficult thing for <coughs> attackers to find in the store. Yeah. These are, were not items that were just lying out in the open. 
Well, this thing's going to go to trial, Captain. And really, as far as the trial's concerned, what we see in the trial is not so much a declaration of her being innocent. Yeah. It's not so much that. It's Think of the charge. She's charged with first-degree murder. That means this is a premeditated attack. Yeah. So the... And the mountain of evidence here is pretty undeniable. So she is going to plead guilty. Well, guilty in the sense that her defense, all right, they don't put up a whole lot of defense, meaning they, they don't jump out and say, look, she didn't kill Jana Murray. Right. They're just going to argue that it's not first degree murder. It's second degree because there's no premeditation. Hoping that she will get convicted of a lesser charge, receive a lesser sentence, because in their words, in their opinion, Brittany lost it. Right. When, when, when she got caught stealing, when she didn't know what else to do, when she was confronted by Jaina, that she'd lost it and killed this girl. Now, here's the thing, though, Captain. There, there were a few things. I mean, there's always multiple things that upset you about these cases. But, but besides the fact that a young, vibrant woman that was going to be something in this world got killed, an innocent yeah. victim got killed... There were some other things at trial that, that were rather disturbing to me. And the first being that the defense implied that there was some kind of fight, meaning like a mutual fight broke out between the two women. Right. It's not a mutual fight. That's called self-defense. Dick knows. Well, I, well, here's the thing. It, it actually looks to me like, like Brittany blitz attacked her, that she was, that it was a sneak attack. Right. That Jaina didn't know what was going on. She was struck probably from behind or as she was turning around. To What I'm getting at is that this is kind of taking the victim's families and kind of rubbing their nose in it. When you go, when you, go you know what? You're, the victim here was somewhat responsible for their own demise. Not responsible at all. There was no fight here. This was not a mutual fight between two women. This was one horrible woman attacking another and killing her viciously killing her yeah and the argument was is the the argument is was there premeditation well it depends on how you view premeditation but maybe she didn't think about it before she got back to the shop but then she knew that she was caught and then a fight broke out and then she hit her with something but then you kept going and you kept stopping and finding new weapons to attack her with and then you had to move her car and then you sat in the car for an hour maybe an hour and a half and then you came up with this other plan and then you basically abused their their corpse i mean how how much time has to pass before you stop doing what you're doing you know what i mean right they said that the attack would have taken at minimum maybe 20 minutes okay so you had every second of that 20 minutes to stop that attack and furthermore so not it is premeditated at some point because according to maryland law premeditation only takes seconds right so once you continue to continue to hurt this person to inflict damage upon them you are choosing to take their life and then second of all people wondered well she must be crazy if she lost it like this. She only got caught for stealing. Who who takes a petty crime and covers it up with murder? Well, she's not crazy as far as the law's concerned. She might be crazy to the point where you don't want her living next door to you. Right. But she's not crazy in the eyes of the law because she spent the rest of the night covering it up. She knew what she did was wrong. And as she was doing it, she knew that it was the wrong thing to do. The other thing that, that ticked me off here, Captain, and I know this got to you as well, and it didn't really come up until the trial itself, but they had to call people, they had to call witnesses to testify to things that they had heard. And these were people that were working at the Apple store or in the Apple store as uh, customers. Yeah. And the reason being is that these people actually heard through that wall words being exchanged. They heard screams. They heard some of the attack. Right. And yet none of them did anything. Yeah. And, uh, this is one that's weird. And I know a lot of people that read this story or have seen this story on, on different shows and stuff that, that this really upsets them. I, the, the problem with me judging 
any of these individuals is I don't know what they heard. I don't know. Did they hear one scream and that was it? You, you see what I mean? No, I get it. You know? I I totally get it. And they, they, there's something that... Because uh, even the judge, as he's handing out the sentencing, he, he talks about these people that worked in the Apple store and how how awful they were. And it's like, but but I don't know what they heard. I mean, uh, you, you sometimes, you know, you go outside late at night, you hear something that sounds like a couple gunshots, you know. It was presented at trial, so the judge knows what they heard. Right. Okay. We we don't know what they heard, but the judge, as you as you said, the judge was, he came down very hard on these people and, and right. had a lot of words for these individuals. I mean, if you heard multiple screams and you didn't call the cops, I mean, at least call the cops because... Even if it's nothing, okay, well, better safe than sorry. But if they would have called the cops, uh, they they could have saved her life. I mean, I, I don't think this attack took place in 20 minutes. I think this uh, attack took place. Half hour, 45 minutes. At least, uh, I'm saying an hour. Mm-hmm. And, and then on top of that, it's like, you know, so you could have got law enforcement to stop the attack, but then you could have rushed her to the hospital and, and possibly saved her life. Well, I'll say something in the defense of the people at the Apple store. So there is something, this is, this is a scientific study. Um, there's something called the bystander effect, which this, what they state during this is that when people hear possible danger, but they know that other people are around. So this, this right. works out in this situation here. They're in a super safe area. They're not expecting to hear or see violence when they're out that evening. So when you hear something that's strange or you see something that's strange and there's a lot of other people around individually within inside ourselves, most of us will make the assumption that if something is truly bad, if something is really bad, that someone else will call. Right. And then in, in, in transfer of that, what ends up happening is nobody ends up calling. Yeah. You, you just gotta look, everybody heard that. So you hear a scream, you see an accident call. What's the worst thing that could happen? They got a couple extra calls about about something that happened. Well, and it's it's a huge mistake on their part that that nothing was done, that nobody made a call. This attack, like you said, forty five minutes, an hour, that could have changed. That could have saved this woman's life if somebody would have called. Responders could have arrived to the building in time. Yeah. So the the key thing is, and police would tell you the same thing. You see something, call. You hear something, call. That's what you see something, say something, right? Yeah, and I. So I mean, my thought, final thoughts on Brittany is that, again, she's not psycho as far as you know the law is concerned, but I think she is. I think she's a psycho. You know. Well, she got the she got the sentence that she deserves. So Brittany Norwood Wood is currently in. Maryland's only female prison. This is Maryland's Correctional Institute for Women in Jessup, uh, which is between Washington, D.C. and Baltimore. And under the terms of her life sentence, she received a life sentence. Under those terms, she can never be paroled. Yeah, and that's kind of what they argued for. They wanted to give her some kind of hope, you know, like give her the possibility of parole. And, And I applaud the judge for saying, look, I'm not going to give you that. And I don't, I don't want to give you hope. People like you should not be on the streets. Yes. That was Brittany's family that wanted to leave her with some form of hope. But I wanted to bring up something that was brought to trial during the sentencing phase. And this is by Jaina's father, David. Remember we said that he was an officer in the army. Yeah. And he told the judge, you know, I've been in combat situations. I've seen young men that have had to bloody other people. And the first time it's very difficult. The second time it gets easier. And the third time even easier after that. If you let this woman get parole and someday let out of prison, then the same would be true for Brittany Norwood. This individual must be removed from society forever. Thanks, everybody, for joining us here in the garage this week. And thanks for telling a friend. Let the 
TCG hoodie countdown begin, right, Captain? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the support. Love you. Until next time, be good, be kind, and don't litter. you are bpm's high sweat dripping body moving tongue panting you're working hard real hard and you're thirsty you need vitamins nutrients for peak performance and energy and your plants do too Aww. i mean just look at the little guy water soluble plant food from miracle grow is full of essential nutrients just a little scoop into your watering can and boom instant feeding and bigger more beautiful plants it's kind of like a sports drink for your plants you may have to suffer from heat but your plants do not 